Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, allergies and all, it's spring here on the east coast of the U.S., you are in the right place because this is still where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from Billy Gregory. He calls himself a senior accessibility engineer. Let's put the focus on accessibility. I found a quote from him at careerfoundry.com in a blog. He, uh, He tweets at the Billy Gregory. So there must be a lot of them. And here's the comment that you made. Listen up. When UX, that's user experience, doesn't consider all users, shouldn't it be known as some user experience or SUX sucks? Okay, let's just let that sink in a little bit. Billy Gregory is at the Picello Group, and he's the director of training. So let's talk about what the implications are for this. We're talking about user experience, UX. We will use that term from time to time during the show. The impact of design and user experience on business success. We're talking to you, our global business managers, leaders, owners, serial entrepreneurs, whoever you are. You're around the world. There's tens of thousands of you who listen to the show every month. So we're talking to you. Business success isn't that why you're in business. Yes, you want to do good. You want to have a product or service, change the world, but you need to succeed in order to stay doing what you want to do. So the impact of design and user experience on your business success is profound. Game-changing user experiences. Come on, you've heard the term user-centric, customer-centric. That's where your head has to be today. So game-changing user experiences are the number one way to ensure customer satisfaction. And what does that mean to you? It means enduring loyalty. Why is it important? Oh, come on. Industry lines are blurring. There is so much competition. You think you're local? You're not. You're still playing in a global marketplace. It is competitive out there. So let's talk about who users are and why you need to pay attention to All users, per the Billy Gregory quote, the World Health Organization estimates that one billion people, that's one in seven, that's a billion with a B, live with a disability. And according to the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, access to information technology is a, get this, basic human right. That's right. Access to information technology is now considered a basic human right. So whose responsibility is it? to get rid of the barriers to disabilities in workplace software. Come on, you go to work, you want a consumer-grade experience. Maybe you can't do something because of some disability or some difficulty you have in some way with perception, with learning, with use using uh, devices, with using software. Well, it comes back to the enterprise software vendors. They're the ones who are designing this. They're the ones who are selling it. They're the ones who are helping to install it. So how can they help get around this? They can use advances in natural language processing and artificial intelligence. We have a panel of three experts today. They have been on the air with me before. This is actually part two of a very important topic, accessible and inclusive user design, user experience design, the business 
case. They were on our series called Designing a Game-Changing User Experience with me back in February. The series was just debuting, and today, two of the three from that panel are back here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we have a new panelist, so let me tell you who they are. First up, we're welcoming back Neil Milliken, Global Head of Accessibility at, and we're debating whether I should call his company Atos, A-T-O-S, or Atos, A-T-O-S, so potato, potato. I'll start out with Atos, welcoming Neil back. Also welcoming back Deborah M. Rue. She spells her last name R-U-H. She's the CEO of Rue Global Communications. And then our newcomer today is Nicole Vindman. I'll spell her last name, W-I-N-D-M-A-N-N. She's the owner of SAP's Accessibility Development Guidelines. We've got some nice beeping there in the background, somebody. Okay, so let's go around the table to Neil Milliken. And Neil has sent us a quote from Stephen Frost, author of The Inclusion Imperative, How Real Inclusion Creates Better Business, It Builds Better Societies. And here is the quote, diversity is reality, inclusion is a choice. Neil Milliken, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me back. We're delighted. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't have you back if you weren't so smart and special and interesting and engaging on the show in February. So you earned this, Neil Milliken. Go ahead. Talk to me about your quote. Uh, so I met Stephen. He's um, unforgettable, but I met him when I was jet-lagged in Brazil at the Paralympics. And uh, I thought the quote was a, a really outstanding one. We also interviewed him for Access Chat. And I think really, for me, he's absolutely right. We live in a world which is populated with people of all creeds and colors, ages, abilities. But if we don't consciously make the decision to include them, then we are creating those sucky user experiences that Billy Gregory talked about. So, so it, it's, it's about taking that conscious decision to design to include people. And that's how we end up making better products, more effective user experiences, and uh, fairer ones, and a, and a better society and workplace and everything else. Neil, tell me something. The, the word disability, the word uh, different ability, different able, that's a term that has come into parlance in recent years. How broad is that? If somebody says, well, uh, I hurt my right foot on the way to work today, so I won't be able to uh, drive the bus or, or, you know, to use software that requires a foot pedal. Or somebody says, well, I'm suffering from migraines and I can only see out of partially out of my right eye, so I need to have a, a screen on my computer that will allow me to have a bit a different view than if I had both eyes properly enabled how broad and I'm not making fun but how broad is the term disability and accessibility today what does it really mean can you give us a little oversight insight here okay that's a great question and I think that there's a couple of ways of answering it you know there's the broad community of, of people with disabilities and we own you know we own our disability I count myself amongst them um, mm-hmm. however there is this whole idea that disability can exist in, in various different states. And some of this comes back from the World Health Organization and, and the social model of disability. So we have the idea of per, uh, people who have a permanent disability, you know, something mm-hmm. that's not going to go away. Um, and, and then we have uh, the, the idea of a temporary disability, like someone that's, you know, fallen over, broken their arm, etc. Or then you can have a situational disability, you know, because you are unable to do something because of what you're doing or your situation. You may be carrying something heavy, so you can't use your, your hands. You may be in a mm-hmm. very noisy environment, so you need subtitles. 
And it's when you start adding together the, the three different types, you know, uh, the, with disability being the, uh, the inability to achieve something rather than your physical uh, condition or your mental condition. Um, rather, it's the inability to participate and complete a task. Then um, catering and designing for accessibility mm. clearly has a payoff because you're then catering for far, far bigger numbers. So when people say, this is such a niche thing, why do we need to do it? Well, actually, when you start adding up these numbers, the billion people that identify with, with disabilities, the people with temporary disabilities, and then the ones with uh, the situational disabilities, like walking outside in the sunshine and trying to use your phone with poor, poor color contrast, then you can see <laughs> why you need to be doing this stuff. Thank you very much. I appreciate your indulging my question, and thank you, Neil, for saying it was a good question. It just occurred to me that, well, there are so many ways to interpret accessibility for differently abled, and I think that's something we need to examine, and thank you for referencing back to my opening and the definitions from WHO and, and the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Uh, we want to make sure that it's it's valid, and that opens another whole Pandora's box, I think. Let's move around the table to Deborah M. Rue, and Deborah has sent us a quote from Henry David Thoreau, 1817 to 1862, American essayist, poet, philosopher, abolitionist, naturalist, tax resistor, ooh, that is interesting in a bio, development critic, surveyor, yogi, and historian, most famous for his book, Walden, A Reflection Upon Simple Living in Natural Surroundings. He also published an essay called Civil Disobedience. Here is the quote Deborah has selected from Monsieur Thoreau. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. Oh, I love the quote. I just got goosebumps. Deborah Rue, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. How are you doing today? Thank you for asking. As I said, it's allergy season here in Durham, North Carolina, so I've got my Kleenex handy in the pop-up box and a cup of water with a straw, and uh, I'm, I'm ready for anything. So talk to me about this. I love the quote from Thoreau. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. How does this relate to our topic, Deborah? Well, I, I also love Thoreau's work. I, it's spoken to me since I was a young girl. And I, I think, you know, why it really spoke to me for the topic of this ongoing conversation, which I applaud, you know, your efforts, SAP's, Nicole's efforts, and I'm honored to be on here with the brilliant Neil Milliken as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, we need to, as society, take a real look at what it means to be a human being and to stop deciding that certain people don't belong in our workforces because, once again, because they they have a disability mm-hmm. or they need assistive technology or they need accommodations or maybe they're, you know, LGBT or they're a different color or a different religion, whatever, these, these things that we're doing right now. And we really need to look at um, and value, I think, our brains more. People with disabilities, especially people with severe disabilities, this is often not a conversation yeah. only about people that have, you know, um, disabilities. Like I also, I'm, I have my labels. I, I have depression. I have ADHD. I, you know, my my husband has the label of dementia, scary label. My daughter has a label mm-hmm. of Down syndrome. And guess what? We're just normal, a normal family, just making our way through life. But we have to do a better job of making sure that people are viewed as people first, and not and, and understanding that people, especially with severe disabilities 
can and should be joining our workforces because this should be about innovation and this should be about, you know, inclusion and really making sure that if somebody wants to contribute as society, we're allowing them to contribute. We're allowing them to get the education they need. We're allowing them to get the jobs they need to support their families. And that's why that quote really spoke to me. It's it's a beautiful quote, Deborah, and I was thinking it's something I, I joke on the radio a lot about. It's something I want to crochet on the side of a pillow, and I do crochet, but never on the side of a pillow. Um, it's really, could we say, could we extend this, Deborah, to the old adage, maybe that's a, a rhetorical old adage, the adage, uh, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes to understand who they are. Um, it's not what you see, it's it's not what you look at, it's what you see. In other words, what's the reflection? Who really really is that person? What are their issues? What are their challenges? Does that help to extend the quote into what we're talking about today? Understanding, appreciating, valuing. It it does. Yeah, well said, Bonnie. Well said. And I I totally agree with you. I, I look around at the progress. We have actually made progress all over the world. And, you know, God bless organizations like SAP and ATOS that are leading the way and others, you know, are leading the way to other really amazing corporations. And, and now we have, you know, disability inclusion being talked about on the world stage with the World Economic Forum via Dr. Caroline Casey's work of making sure that corporations are agreeing to put disability inclusion on the boardroom agenda. But mm-hmm. we still, as societies, are looking at people with disabilities, especially severe disabilities, as charity cases and not real people that can actually add value to um, design and innovation. And I think that's why these topics are so critical. I remember SAP was one of the first that understood that hiring programmers and testers with autism added great value to their organization. And these are the stories and that we need to get out and why, once again, what you're doing with SAP Radio, I think, is so important. But we need to stop deciding certain people don't belong in the conversations because that is incorrect. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And, and you've helped to expand even further what I was talking about with Neil. And I noticed, Deborah, that you said ATOS. So we'll go with ATOS. Potatoes, potatoes. We'll go with ATOS. Thank you very much. It's been, it's been voted on, Neil. I've been voted for the ATOS interpretation. Thank you very much. Deborah, pleasure to have you on. And thank you for being so, it's an overused word, but it really is a well used word here. Thank you for being so authentic with us and telling us. That's all I'm going to say. Now, taking a deep breath here, let's go around the table to Nicole Vinman at SAP. And Nicole has sent us a lovely quote, one, two, three, four, five little words. Sometimes these little tiny quotes pack a big punch from Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Kara Sandberg, still very much with us. 1969 was her birth year. American tech executive activist, author, and billionaire. She's the COO of Facebook and the founder of LeanIn, L-E-A-N-I-N dot org. She was elected to Facebook's board of directors in June 2012. So that was, my goodness, almost seven years ago. Uh, Before that, she was a VP of global online sales and ops at Google and involved in launching their philanthropic arm, uh, Google.org. And she was named in 2012 to Times 100 annual list of the most influential people in the world. I won't tell you what her net worth is, but you can look it up. So here are the five words in the quote Nicole has selected from Sheryl Sandberg. Done is better than perfect. Nicole Vindman, your newcomer to Game Changers Radio. We roll out the the red carpet, the welcome mat. How are you today, Nicole? 
Thanks, Annie. I'm doing perfect today. I'm very excited to um, be part of the show today, and it's also great uh, to meet Deborah and Neil again. I would like to uh, have some words on them because they are so wonderful and inspiring people, and I'm very grateful to know both of them and work with them. The way they drive accessibility and inclusion and talk so openly about it is charming, exciting, inspiring, and it's my point of view also the right way forward, and I'm really happy to meet you here both again. <laughs> yeah. Very well. I'm, I'm glad it's so, a, some kind of a reunion. This is great. We, we love a love fest when the panelists actually like and respect and, and appreciate each other. So thank you for that, Nicole. Tell yeah. me about this quote. I'm very interested in, in, in the quote. I think I have lived with something very similar in a job many years ago. So I'm very interested to hear your interpretation of it as regards our topic today. Go ahead, Nicole. Well, you know, 100% of my job is around accessibility. I exchange about it with customers, with colleagues, with SAP leaders, and so on. So a really long list of stakeholders. And the question always is, how can we build a user experience that serves the needs of all users? And what I experience in all my discussions and meetings is that nobody wants to exclude anybody. It's really, it happens by accident. And the idea that the outcome of our work might perhaps not catch the 100% of the users, that we might not meet 100% accessibility conforms, often causes a feeling of discomfort with my colleagues. And this feeling might even build mental barriers to do it at all. So when it comes to inclusion and digital accessibility, we all need to accept that we might never be perfect that we might never reach the 100% and that we might never catch all users, but we can start to do it, and this is very important. We can bring it on the way. We can grow the number of included users, and we should not be afraid but open up our minds. There's always a lot of fear. When we talk about accessibility, everybody feels a little bit uncomfortable and says, oh, will I do it right, and so on. Mm -hmm. So we should not concentrate too much on what we perhaps miss, but really focus on where we succeed and on the individuals we really include by doing our work correctly. And we all can grow on the experiences that we made during that journey for inclusion, for accessibility. I think it was already said during the first part of the show by Neil, I think it was you, uh, that many people feel uncomfortable when it comes to disabilities, but in fact addressing certain needs by designing and developing an accessible user experience is exciting and fascinating. And everything we do, also if it might not be 100% perfect from the start, is better than doing nothing while seeking for perfection. And so in Germany, we have the saying, einfach machen, which means just do it. So uh, let's yes. just do it and also embrace the possible imperfections. Yeah. Yes, That's just it. just take action. Very interesting. I, I, I referencing back, Nicole. I had a, a boss, a manager years ago. I worked for a, a trust company, which was a banker's bank, not a walk-in commercial bank. It was a, a back office bank, if you will, that serviced the banks across New York State. And um, I, I had various roles there. I ended up becoming their marketing director. It was, it was just a very interesting journey for me. But I had a boss who, who uh, told me at one point, he said, let's just get it done. Stop going for perfection or we will never get this project out of the gate. And he was absolutely right. I think that was an eye-opener for me. But Nicole, I have a 
quick question for you. It, your title is, it, in your bio, you said you're the owner of SAP's Accessibility Development Guidelines. Just briefly, is that a moving target, Accessibility Development Guidelines? Are you finding different ways you need to grow or expand or change those guidelines on a rolling basis? Just just uh, if you don't mind telling me, I thought that would be interesting for our audience to hear. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Good question. Uh, well, you know, there are standards out there for accessibility. Um, it's not only our software that needs to need and support accessibility. There are a lot of other user agents that have to yeah, work together to uh, have this accessible experience. So um, it's a moving target to answer your question because technology changes, the devices changes. Uh, there are many, many innovations that will really improve, I think, and offer new opportunities to drive inclusion like, yeah, eye tracking, new interaction channels, and so on. So, and we always have to react with our guidelines on the one hand side on the legal situation that our customers need to meet, because this is very important. Software vendors have no legal obligation yet for accessibility, but employers have, companies have, and so on. So, we want to support and so uh, we always have to find ways that our development guidelines and the way how we realize accessibility in our software meets the current devices, meets the current innovations, and also meets, most important, our customers' and end-users' needs. This is not always the same, the customer and end-user needs, but we try to target both. Thank you very much. Appreciate that honest answer there. And now it's time to get to know our panelists a little bit more. We already know a lot about them, which is interesting. Uh, but let's go around the table. And I have three questions for each of you, starting with Mr. Neil Milliken at ATOS. I am behaving very well, Neil. Neil, where in the world are you today, number one? Number two, what's your favorite drink that powers you? I'm looking at your great smile and your PR photo here. All, actually, all three of you are smiling. And I have the photos of my guests in front of me in my notes during the show so I can relate to you as though you're sitting here in my studio with me, and that that helps me relate to you much better on the air. So, Neil, where are you? What do you love to drink? And give us an update on what your work is right now at Atos. Neil Milliken, go ahead. Okay, so I'm sat on the sunny south coast of the United Kingdom. Um, My drink of choice today is Ribena. It's like Kool-Aid, only a lot nicer. Um, And I'm working on a bunch of stuff for Global Accessibility Awareness Day, which is in a couple of weeks' time, uh, and we're running live in-person events in four countries, webinars in multiple places. In fact, I'm hoping that uh, Nicole will be joining me in in Munich, uh, subject to her being well enough. Um, And um, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to it, but it's, uh, it's keeping me well occupied at the moment. I'm spinning a few plates. Because it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, being dyslexic, my, my organization is not my key strong point, and I'm doing a lot of organization <laughs> at the moment. But it's a it's a great day. It's it's always a, a great day because the whole community comes out and starts sharing their their passion for accessibility, their their willingness to share, and 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 it really is gratifying. So, sixteenth uh, of May, mark your diary. Absolutely will. Congratulations on that. Very exciting. And we'll find out if Nicole is going to go. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Anything else you want to share with us? You all good? 
Okay, no, I'm, let's I'm go all to good for now. Yep. Okay, let's go to Deborah Root. Deborah, where are you today? What is in your cup right now, or what are you dreaming about drinking after the show? And what is new at your organization, Rue Global Communications? Well, um, one thing that's new is that um, we're changing our name from Rue Global Communications to Rue Global Impact because Ooh, we really want wait to. Minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to let that resonate. Say that one more time. <laughs> Please, that's important. I don't want to just gloss over it. What? Say the new name and tell us why. Go ahead. Um, the new name is Rue Global Impact. And the reason why I'm changing it is because we work with a lot of multinational corporations that really want to include people with disabilities and get it right with accessibility. And so it really is about impact. It's all about impact. And I thought, you know, it's, Communications is such a big word, and I, I just, the word impact, because I think this is what we're all seeking, and certainly the big corporations are seeking this as well. How can we have, hopefully, we're, many of us are thinking, how can we have the most positive impact on, you know, society? So that's why I did it. And, and today I'm joining um, from Virginia and is, as you said, Bonnie, full-blown allergy season. So um, I'm drinking my green drink, but I'm also uh, doing hot tea because, you know, these allergies, they just, they slam our throat. So, uh, <laughs> it, oh, yeah. Sniffling and <laughs> yep. Do you have the green dust there where you are? We had the yes, green dust yes, about a week ago. It everything. didn't bother me. Oh, it's awful. Everything is covered. If you don't have a place to park your car in in the garage or or cover it, everything is covered in this little green dust. It's all over the plants. It's all over the sidewalks, the side of the house, in my porch. It didn't bother me until until yesterday. I, I don't know why. Most of the green dust is gone, but it didn't bother me until yesterday, and now it's it's full tilt. So well, I'm tweeting this. Heard on hashtag SAP Radio, breaking news, Deborah, Rue, Rue Global, oh, or hashtag, and is renaming her company from, from Rue Global Communications to Rue Global Impact, correct? Yes, yes. Thank you, Bonnie. Okay. It is out there now. Do we have a hashtag for that yet? Um, we our hashtag is just Rue Global R U H Global. Okay, we'll we stick should with change that. it to Global Impact. I should do that, but we haven't done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, next time you come on, you'll have that one, and we'll we'll put it out there. Thank you very much, Deborah Nicole Vinman. We'd love to know where you are today. What is your in your cup? What do you love to drink? And tell us a little bit more about what you do. Okay. So actually, I'm at home, which is in the south of Germany. Uh, the city is called Stutensee, and it's about 25 miles from our headquarters in Waldorf. Uh, today is Labor Day in Germany, so it's a public holiday. And traditionally, we have a barbecue on 1st of May if the weather is nice, and today the weather is fantastic. So I just got back from the garden to my desk to join your show. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite drinks, I have two of them, a good and strong espresso, usually yeah. a double shot, and Italian sparkling water. Apparently, I'm only accompanied by a bottle of good water, but after the show, I will enjoy <laughs> my last espresso of the day. It will then be at, uh, 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very nice. <laughs> and and w- how did you get into your role, Nicole? You have a very interesting title, uh, owner of Accessibility Guidelines. Yeah. How did you How did you get to uh, into this role? It sounds very interesting. 
Um, really, it's worth, um, yeah, um, I was looking for a position at SAP, and, and from my, yeah, from my uh, background, I'm working in international affairs, so bringing people together, so it fits quite well. And, uh, yeah, so I was offered this position due to my management background, also defining guidelines and standards, not for software, but for other stuff. And, yeah, and now I'm really passionate about accessibility. Um, uh, so our team is the center of expertise for accessibility as SAP. As I already said, I'm owning the development guidelines that show our gifts or guidance to our product teams how to implement the accessibility. So we offer a lot of training, consulting to designers and developers, but this is very technical and really to get the people into the topic, you need to fill it with, with empathy, yeah. So it's really important to be able to tell stories, to connect this technical topic with the user and to give all these requirements a face. Uh, so we exchange a lot with experts, with other software producers, with our end users, and because um, we are all on the same journey and we all are facing the same challenges. And, yeah, this is really what makes me so passionate about my job because it really offers the opportunity to have a positive impact on individual stories. Yeah, you can really support individual people by doing your job well. And, yeah, already told it, it stays exciting because I will never reach a finish line as new technologies and innovations have a huge influence on how users interact. And as accessibility is all with user experience, we need to consider from an accessibility perspective how to, yeah, build new opportunities by technology innovation. Thank you very much, Nicole. Pleasure to have you join the panel. And we have to do a shout-out to Esther Blankenship at SAP, who is the sponsor of the series I mentioned before, Designing a Game Changer User Experience, one of our newest series this year under the <clears throat> excuse me, Game Changers Radio umbrella. And I believe she was the one who connected me originally with Neil Milliken at Atos and Deborah Rue at Rue Global Communications, soon to be Rue Global Impact, and also recommended Nicole Vindman to us for today's panel. So appreciate that very much. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, just digging digging out of the green dust pollen and uh, holding my own as far as not having sneezed once yet on the show, but you never know. It's early, and I am not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days, which Neil and Deborah may have remembered from the last time you were on the air with me, and Nicole now knows why they don't let me any we're near caffeine, and I appreciate that very much. So I'm only allowed to have water. I've got enough enough natural caffeine. My sister, my late dear sister Kay, used to say, Bonnie is always naturally high, and, and I appreciate that. That was, that was one, one of the nicest exchanges we had, and I appreciate her, her saying that. Uh, anyway, uh, we're, we're here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. I will have a big announcement for our audience soon, so stick with us. Uh, next week or the week after, I'll be making a big announcement about the future of this show. Future is a key word. Yes, we're going to continue, but there will be some new news coming up. So I want you all to stay tuned. And uh, in the next week or two, you'll be seeing and hearing what's going to be happening. So we're going to take a quick break. All I can say to our listeners is you don't want to think about touching that mouse, that app, that dial, no matter how you how do you describe, how you define, how you have your accessibility to however you're listening to us. You don't want to stop because we have a lot more information from my very special panelist, Neil Milliken at ATOS, Deborah Rue at Rue Global Impact, it's official, and Nicole Vindman at SAP. So, Aaron, take us out. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Aaron, out. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com business news and discussions are always changing in order to stay ahead of the game sometimes you need to be a follower you can follow the voice america business channel on twitter at voice am business again that's at voice am business and stay current we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network wherever you go In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We're back with Neil Milliken at Atos, Deborah Rue at Deborah Rue, her own company, Rue Global Impact. I just changed it in my notes. It is official. You heard it here, breaking news today, and Nicole Vinmon at SAP. So we're going to start our roundtable, even though we're already pretty deep into it. And here's what Neil told me before the show. He said, everybody listen up. This is going to come as a surprise, I think. He said, a sense of humor and charm are essential weapons in the armory of any good change agent. It is especially true for accessibility, which is our topic today, where we need to win over hearts and minds to the cause of inclusion. Neil, this is a loaded statement. We, I must stand up comic from years back, and I know you've got to be very careful in using humor that singles out or might offend any particular person or group in the audience or that the audience knows, even if that person isn't in the audience. So talk to me about how the sense of humor and charm are essential. Give me your take, and then we'll see what Deborah and Nicole have to say. Neil, go ahead. Okay, so I, I think really it's about the winning the hearts and minds piece. Accessibility has been something that's not been understood that well in, in businesses. It's something that's come in at the end of processes. You're asking project managers to unpick things. You're essentially, uh, well, it's when it's been immature, you're asking them to do stuff that is against what they want to do, which is deliver something on time, on budget, etc., Obviously, what you're asking them to do is the right thing to do, but there are implications for them. So you need to be persuasive, and sometimes a, a little bit of humor and, and, uh, and goodwill helps that. You need to, you need to charm people, and, and you need to make sure that even if you have 
um, had some impact on their project this time around, that you can work together in the future because this is a long game. You know, we're, we're, we're not going away. Um, neither is the population of persons with disabilities. In fact, as we all age, we're all likely to acquire disabilities and the population is aging. If you take the average person that was born in Japan, there's a 50% chance of um, them, if they were born in 2007, living to the age of 107. Oh, my. So if you think about it, yeah, so we've got super-aged populations growing around the world. We all acquire disabilities. We all, um, you know, our vision gets worse, our mobility gets worse. All of these things happen as we age. Um, as we all age more and our populations age more, then there are going to be more people with disabilities. These people are consumers. They're co-workers. They're our friends and family. So we need to be doing this stuff. And we're going Very to be doing it forever and ever. Mm-hmm. So we need yes. to we need to have good relationships, and I think humour plays a part in that. Very interesting, and we we won't get into all the cultural markers of the that sense of humour and charm. But I like the idea. I like it a lot. Deborah Rue, do you agree with Neil? Talk to me. I do agree agree with Neil. I um I agree with Neil very often because <laughs> you know we talk a lot about accessibility <laughs> in these. Yeah, we but we talk about making um, everything accessible, and I think the the real challenge is for people like Neil running the program for Atos, which maybe is my southern accent, Bonnie, and and for Nicole <laughs> running these programs for SAP, and think of all of the moving parts, everything that they have to consider to truly be accessible, and it's. SAP actually wrote a book about accessibility years ago. They were one of the first brands um, to really write about the efforts they were making, and they did it so that, you know, others could learn from what they were learning. But putting all of the pieces together and really tying it into all the strategic goals that corporations have, sometimes, I mean, it is always um, not about perfection, it is certainly about building it into the process and getting everybody to agree to what you're trying to do. So I think that there's, with all the moving parts, um, it gets, it's pretty intense. And what we're doing here in the United States with accessibility and disability inclusion is we're suing. We're suing the corporations. And we're saying, no, you got it wrong. Bad corporate, bad corporation. But I think, you know, looking at, Looking at it from the inclusive design and how do we blend it into all of the conversations we're having, like you see leaders like Atos with Neil and SAP with Nicole doing, I think this is what we all can learn from, you know, truly making things accessible so that once again, everybody can be, can be included. I think that it's a very important conversation. And you see these leaders, one more point, Bonnie, you see these mm-hmm. leaders, Nicole and Neil and others, um, they're actively part of, you know, really changing um, and, and making sure that we have the correct standards. I know in Nicole's bio, she talks about being part of the WCAG working groups. And I know that Neil is part of those groups and I've been part of them. So I think... We we should take just a moment to really thank these leaders of these big corporations that have these really gigantic jobs of let's make sure this is fully accessible so everybody can be included because there's a lot of moving parts. Thank you very much, Deborah. Nicole, you've been summoned. You've been talked about. Join us. What's your thought on, on <laughs> charm and humor? Go ahead. I completely agree. 
Um, so I, I don't want to trivialize uh, disability. Uh, it, it's really depending on the severeness and so on. But most often, this topic is discussed in such a bad and serious way that nobody has fun and does not enjoy to work about it. I work on it and talk about it and so on. And um, so what we, for example, did to really get a designer, you know, designers want to play. They want to have fun. They want to have beautiful stuff around. Yeah, that we created accessibility personas that really bring the face to the requirements that makes them understand, okay, that's what I need. And that also shows, okay, there are different needs and not the disabilities, and I think this is very important that you do not always put a label disability on it, yeah, because um, there are several topics that can disable you, yeah, changing environment, for example, that uh, mobile workplaces really uh, are supported by a lot of accessibility requirements because it really ensures that you can choose different interaction channels or different output channels and so on when you realize accessibility. So you can change colors if you have changing light conditions. You can change to uh, from audio to text, yeah, if you have a, a loud mm-hmm. environment around you and so on. So you put accessibility personas into the process to, yeah, bring a little bit fun into the topic. Yeah, there are funny stories about these personas. And it's not always about... Um, a disability or impairment is sometimes really that somebody needs to work with gloves, yeah, and that's why uh, he needs uh, huge buttons, yeah, or a huge target size on a touch device, stuff like that, yeah, to really make understand not to focus too much on a disability, which, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not, I, I think, not so good. It's better to really focus on the needs of persons and everybody has certain and different and changing needs, yeah, depending on illness, depending on age, depending on working environment. And so I think really to bring charm into it, to bring also a little bit humor into the whole topic without uh, trivializing the topic, mm-hmm. because it's not funny, um, it's, it's, it's very important to really drive it because the people want need to embrace the topic. They need to be persuaded, they need to be part of this great inclusion journey. And you only get them when you say, okay, these are the positive aspects and if they, if they also enjoy the journey. And so I think I completely agree to what was already said by uh, you and also Deborah. Thank you very much, Nicole. We, we are heading up the clock here. We're, we're running out of time, and I want to cover a couple of more mm-hmm. points from my guests. Very gracious uh, and, and very ample preparation notes they sent me. So, Deborah Rue, I'm looking at your notes here, and I, I, here's something we really can't ignore, unconscious bias. And you say, with technology transforming every part of our lives, we must be aware of unconscious bias. I'm going to ask you to define that. You say, for example, artificial intelligence, fondly known as AI, is poor to be a transformational tool that will revolutionize how we approach problems as consumer computers essentially learn and adjust much like human beings to perform tasks of varying complexity. So just briefly, how do you define unconscious bias with regard to what we're talking about, user design, inclusion, accessibility, Deborah, and just briefly, how will AI help? And then we'll quickly go around the table and see what Nicole and Neil want to add. Go ahead, Deborah. 
Um, thank you, Bonnie. I, the, the definition online, one definition is unconscious bias or implicit bias is often defined as prejudice or unsupported judgments in favor of or against one thing, person, or a group as compared to another in a way that is usually considered unfair. But it's unconscious bias. And so if it's unconscious, how do we bring it into our consciousness? And there, mm-hmm. we had um, Neil Antonio and I on Access Chat, the, the tweet chat that we've been doing since November 2014 with over 8 billion tweets over those years. Um, we had a guest, Rob Newhouser from, um, from Siemens on there talking about what they were doing. And we just find that we we have to be very conscious of unconscious bias. Otherwise, not only are we going to continue to have these biases that leave people with disabilities out of the workforce, but we're starting to, with machine learning and the narrow AI, we're starting to actually program our biases into our technology, which is not going to be good for us moving forward. And so there's a lot of wonderful examples of, you know, mistakes that have been made um, with unconscious bias, and I talk about some of them in my book, Inclusion Branding, but it's just very important that we get our data as clean as possible, and our even our, we, we're very conscious in our employment efforts in HR and everything else that we are not accidentally introducing unconscious bias into these conversations, or we're going to find that large groups of people continue to be disenfranchised and left out of our workforces. And once again, interesting how it ties into our technology. You know, when these companies like SAP are programming these, I mean, have these gigantic technology solutions, if we're actually taking our biases and putting it into our code, it's going to be higher to really, it's going to be harder to really include people with, for example, severe disabilities in our workforces because if we're designing the unconscious bias into the technology, it's going to have an impact on the technology that the persons with disabilities trying to use to perform their daily skills and their skills at work as well. Thank you very much. Nicole Vindman, just uh, we have a minute for you to respond and a minute for Neil, and then Neil will get ready for the crystal ball prediction. So, Nicole, quickly, what's your thought on AI, unconscious bias? How is that all going to work from your point of view? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I agree to what uh, Deborah said. Um, it, it's a topic for us. I know a lot of people are working really on that uh, topic. I know we have products that have algorithm behind that really try to eliminate this unconscious bias, for example, in in the uh, human capital management products. Um, But overall, I also see a lot of opportunities in all this artificial intelligence, machine learning, and new technologies, also with regards to accessibility inclusion and how to interact with software. Thank you very much. Neil Milliken, thoughts about AI? What do you think? Uh, It's a double-edged sword, but um, I think with a lot of potential benefits, but We've got lots of data that we're ingesting right now that that has embedded bias already in it. So how do we address that? Well, we need to bring together diverse groups of people. So we all have biases. We all have these unconscious biases. Even people with disabilities have unconscious biases. So we really need to be bringing together a broad group of people so that we can balance these things out. 
Thank you very much. Agreed. Neil Milliken, you're up. Uh, you know what? We're a minute early to start the roundtable. That means I can give you each for the crystal ball predictions round. I can give you each 90 seconds instead of 60. Ooh, that's so exciting. Neil Milliken, it is for me anyway. Neil Milliken at ATOS, 90 seconds. What do you think will change in the world about this very important topic, user design, accessibility, uh, differently abled, whether it's situational, whether it's more permanent? You and I discussed that earlier on the show. What do you think is coming up, let's say, between now and 2025? If you have a specific date, feel free to name it. And go ahead, Neil. 90 seconds okay. are all yours. 90. Go ahead. So uh, I think that the, the big change is that, that disability, accessibility, are going to become board-level issues. Um, this is not going to be something that is uh, down in the weeds anymore. It's not a project level. These are things that uh, will be at board level. Uh, as, as Deborah already mentioned, there's a lady called Caroline Casey that has started the Valuable 500, which was launched at Davos. And I'm proud to say that our chairman and CEO has signed us up for the Valuable 500. And lots of other large organizations are also joining in. So what we're seeing now is sea is level commitment to start measuring this stuff. Um, and it's through things like this that we saw this with the uh, LGBT. QIA movement, when, when it got onto the board agenda that we really started to get momentum and, and greater inclusion in, in the workplace. So I think that that's going to be one of the most seismic shifts in terms of what's going to be happening over the next couple of years. Thank you very much. Seismic is good. Very, very good. Okay, let's move on to Deborah Rue at Rue Global Impact. I'm so impressed with the new name of your company, Deborah. I, it's such a, a hot word. It's a really hot word, and bravo to you for, for selecting that. It's, re, it's a seismic shift, I think, in a company name. So, Deborah, 90 seconds. What do you see coming up the pike down the road, however you're getting there, in terms of changes in user design, business case, and accessibility? Well, I, I think, um, once again, thank you for having these conversations and for SAP joining these conversations. But I agree with some of the things, once again, I agree with Neil a lot just because I like the way his brain works. And, and once again, his brain has dyslexia, and I see that as an advantage to the company that he works for and, you know, because we need people that think differently. And so I think there's advantages. I think what we're going to see is we're going to continue to see society begin to embrace that it's okay to be different and it's okay for us to own who we are. And um, we're seeing our technology and, you know, the tech for good and um, all the, I, I think mainly a lot of people, even though you see such negative things happening on social media, there's actually mm-hmm. really brilliant, amazing, innovative things happening. So as we own what it means to be truly human, I think we're going to continue to see leadership come out of that. And I think things like the Valuable 500, I'm working with Dr. Caroline Casey um, to make sure that the U.S. is included. And right now there's 120 or maybe 121 corporations with ATOS continuing to show leadership on joining the Valuable 500. And there's no cost to join the Valuable 500. You just have to commit to including disability inclusion on the boardroom agenda. But we only have two corporations from the United States that are part of the 121 corporations. So I'm looking forward in more U.S.-based 
multinational and national corporations joining the Valuable 500 and celebrating with us at the next World Economic Forum, of the, you know, really celebrating disability inclusion along with the Paul Pullmans and the, you know, Richard Bransons of the world and, you know, the stuff that Omnicom's doing. So there's some powerful things happening and corporations are actually being very innovative and leading the charge. And so I think we need to celebrate the corporations that are really focused on this and help them be successful and then celebrate their successes. Thank you very much. Very well put, as always, Deborah Rue. And Nicole Vindman, you're last up. I've got just a little more than 60 seconds for you. Go ahead, Nicole. No problem. No problem. So I totally agree, and I would not repeat what Deborah Neil already said. I have the feeling the topic is gaining on importance. I see it in my daily life that also our company is more and more fighting for accessibility. One thing is clear, the demand will grow as the age population is growing and the accessibility requirements also support us when our abilities change. Um, And if we combine human abilities with artificial intelligence, machine learning, IoT, and new interaction innovations like eye tracking, natural language processing, in a smart way, I think we will offer new opportunities and create a user experience that is more inclusive than ever. Thank you very much. I love the optimism from the three of you. I want to thank all three of you for coming. Nicole, such a pleasure to have you join us here on the show today. And I know Neil and Deborah will keep doing your wonderful work. We really appreciate all you're doing. And it's so important whether your disability is temporary, permanent, whether it's it's something you need people to pay attention to because, because, because workplace needs to acknowledge that. So bravo for accessibility, inclusion, and user design that makes life easier for those of us who want to work. Uh, quick shout out to my audience. I'm no longer at the handle at SAP Radio. I'm now at Radio Red 777. I would love for you to follow me if you're on Twitter at Radio Red 777, just the way it sounds. Appreciate that very much. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and a shout-out to Aaron Keller, our engineer, always extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. Remember, there'll be a big announcement here soon on Coffee Break with Game Changers coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're always live on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Figure it out for your own time zone. So here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? It's time. Go make a difference. Be like my panelists. Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Neil Milliken at Atos. Just like Deborah Rue at Rue Global Impact. Oh, I'm loving that name. And just like Nicole Vinman at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. It's game changer time. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 